We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. We are now less than two weeks away from the NBA draft. What hilarity will ensue uh, between draft night and the start of free agency? I... I, I just shudder to think at what is coming down the pike. Uh, we have a very, very good episode for you today. Uh, first time guest. I We just got done talking about 10 minutes ago. Uh, I'm excited. I'm very, very excited to share this one with you. Danny Meringue. So Danny Meringue covers the Blazers uh, currently for Jack Ramsey's, which is a Blue Wire pod. Uh, shout out Blue Wire. And also Blazers Edge. Uh, does absolutely fantastic work covering them, knows the ins and outs of that team like you would not believe, as you will hear from the quality of this interview. Um, we get into all kinds of stuff. We get into trade stuff. We get into the state of the Blazers. We, you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, Nick's stuff that kind of crosses over with Portland, but he drops a couple other little couple nuggets about some things that, that he's heard about what the Blazers are looking for and uh, obviously, with the amount of flexibility, I think is the term that we used a few times um, that they have in terms of their offseason. What they do is not only going to affect the Knicks, it's going to affect a lot of teams around the league. So you're going to enjoy this conversation. You're definitely going to learn a few things. I learned a few things uh, and I enjoyed it very much. Again, Danny Harang coming up very soon. Um, before we get to the interview, though, I do want to just say very briefly, uh, one, uh, sorry, this is uh, a, a kind of a a light week uh, on our end. Uh, I actually, it hit me. I don't think I've recorded a Knicks film school podcast since in like a week because Andrew and I recorded on Friday night when we did a lot of talk about like trading up to four and like whether they, you know, move Randall and whatnot. 
it was a week ago. Uh, and we had something kind of scheduled in the early part of this week that fell through. So, uh, but in any case, the, the episode didn't drop until Tuesday. And now here we are with this episode. Um, I even got a chance to talk to you guys about all the, the Johnny Bryant stuff. Um, I don't know that I have a lot to say about it. I mean, again, for anybody who doesn't know, Quinn Snyder stepped down um, in, in Utah and Johnny Bryant is one of, I think, I want to say there's now like a dozen candidates. Uh, and I'm just going by what Woj has reported in terms of uh, teams uh, or uh, assistant coaches around the league that either Utah is asked to speak with or like current Utah assistants or like Frank Vogel. Uh, he's on their list. And it's just it's a lot of guys. It's going to be a long process, as Danny Ainge said in the press conference. A lot of people are understandably very perturbed by this. Uh, and there is uh, no shortage of crossover between the folks who are perturbed by this and uh, the folks who are very frustrated uh, with Tom Thibodeau this season. And I, and I will just say this one. We have always been told that as Nick fans, we are idiots for believing that something like a head coach or a front office person uh, is going to result in a free agent coming here. So I, I think the notion that like, oh my God, we might lose Johnny Bryant to Utah as like the difference between us ending up with Donovan Mitchell and us not ending up with Donovan Mitchell. I'm not sure I would go that, that far. That said, I do think from Utah's perspective, if you were to tell me that, you know, hiring Johnny Bryant increases their odds of keeping Donovan Mitchell happy from, I, I mean, I, I would just be making up numbers. I don't know, 30% to 40%. Like, I, yeah, sure. I'll buy that. Um, you know, putting that aside, my two big takeaways from the, from what I could tell the discourse has been this week are this one. If you're someone who has always wanted Tibbs fired and like, look, I we've done the conversation. I, I don't really care to do it again. Um, and I, by the way, as I said, if they fired him and hired Johnny Bryant tomorrow, like I wouldn't care. It would be a really bad look. But like if they did that the day the season ended, like, fine, that's the direction you want to go. Go for it. My defense of him has always been more out of principle because I just, you know, I, I didn't think he deserved the, the hate that he got. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but if, if you're someone that has always been on the fire tips bandwagon and like promote Johnny Bryant uh, and you are upset this week because you might be losing Johnny Bryant to Utah, that's fine. I, where I'm, I guess, a little bit not confused. I, I get it. But the notion that like, oh, the Knicks blew it now because Quinn Sider stepped down now and Bryant is on the list. Like. If you wanted to fire Tibbs and hire Johnny Bryant, like, okay, that's fine. They decide not to go in that direction. I don't think now is the week to lament that decision. Uh, I, I don't know how many people are actually doing that, but I, I feel like I've, I've gotten a, a bit of that sentiment. Um, and the other part of it is, and this goes hand in hand with the point that I just made, this was not a shock to anyone, it seems, from what I could tell at least, around the league in that. I don't think anybody expected Quinn Snyder to be back. I think the Jazz wanted Quinn Snyder back, 
And the fact that they wanted him back and that he's not back is a further testament to the fact that he was probably never going to be returning as the jazz head coach. So if you're the Knicks, if you, you know, and again, we all would like to believe that like Leon and Wes know what's up in the league and they talk to people and they know, you know, this machination and that machination and, and who wants what and who might be going where and who might be interested in coming to New York and this and the other thing. If they thought it was that big of a deal to keep Johnny Bryant, because like they knew as did, I think everybody around the league that Snyder was probably leaving. And they knew once he left that Bryant would be on the top of their list. Now, neither they nor anybody in the league knows whether or not the jazz are going to hire Johnny Bryant, because again, they're going to do a, a full vetting process and the whole thing. This isn't like the Knicks with Thibodeau two years ago, where like they did the whole song and dance. I don't think for a second they were ever going to hire anybody else. It was always going to be tips. I think this is different. I think they're the jazz are going to go through the process, but even so if the Knicks and Rose and Wes and anyone else in their front office thought it was that big of a deal, the, the notion of losing Brian um, given how things with Tibbs went down last year, where there was clearly discord between um, or at least the lack of harmony between Tibbs and the front office. Like they had the out if they wanted it, they didn't take it. Um, so I would say, yeah, sure. If you want to blame them for that, blame them for that. But uh, again, the notion that like anything changed this week is where I guess I'm, I'm, that's where I'm kind of struggling. Um, this was always probably going to happen. We were always going to be getting a Johnny Bryan is in contention for the Utah job. And you know what? You might get it. Uh, and if he gets it, did the Knicks potentially lose out on the next great NBA coach? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, do they lessen their chances of being able to trade for Donovan Mitchell? Probably a little bit. Yeah. Uh, is that where my number one concern lies right now as a Nick fan? Personally, no. Um, I, I, I don't. I think this team has bigger fish to fry, uh, as we've talked about ad nauseum over the last several months. And really, honestly, for most of the season, this team needs to figure out what it is, who's going to be here long term, what direction they want to go in this season, how, what kind of approach they want to take to this year. Um, do they want to go more all in on development than they went last year? I'm not saying they didn't develop guys last year. I think they did. But like, you know, 40 minutes of Alec Burks is 40 minutes of Alec Burks. Uh, they need to decide that stuff. And it, it like. I'm going to be less, I'm less worried about who the associate head coach is or whether there is an associate head coach relationship with Donovan Mitchell or no relationship with Donovan Mitchell. I'm less concerned over that than I am with the other stuff. And yes, Tibbs has everything to do with this 1000%, which is why, again, I'd like to think I've been pretty consistent on this. If Tibbs is not on board with the direction that the organization wanted, wants to go fire him yesterday. Um, they need to be on the same page, whatever page that is. I actually think it's more important that they're on the same page than what the page actually is, uh, because you can't be a successful basketball organization if your front office and your and your coach and your coaching staff are not on the same page. So, yeah, that's where my concerns lie. Um, and like what they're going to do with this pick, whether they could trade up, whether they're going to do something crazy and trade out. Obviously, what they're going to do with Julius Randle and 
all those things. Um, so that's it. I just wanted to, to get uh, that out there. Uh, we are going to have um, some announcements coming up in terms of how we're going to be handling draft night, how we're going to be handling free agency. There's going to be live streams, the whole thing. So stay tuned for all that. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, or just double up on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences or skip a week whenever you need. Feeding the whole family has never been easier with larger box sizes for more servings and more savings. HelloFresh also offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh is 30% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Plus, you skip the checkout lines. Try our quick and easy meals, which include 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and 10 minute lunches in HelloFresh Market. Perfect for your busy schedule. Enjoy restaurant quality meals for less in the comfort of your own home. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sirloin are over 72% cheaper than an average restaurant meal. Look, guys, I don't have to tell you how busy I can be with all the work I do for Nick's Film School, as well as my show Final Review. My fiance is just as busy, and when that question comes up every night, what do you want for dinner, rarely do we both have answers. Well, we've actually been customers of HelloFresh for over a year, and we're thrilled when we found out about this sponsorship. Not only is the food delicious, but it's convenient to make and takes away that simple anxiety of what you're going to have for dinner that night. They send you a week's worth of meals, you cook them, you prepare them, you eat them, and and then by the weekend, a new box for the following week shows up. It's that simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Joining me now on the next Film School podcast, uh, very excited to introduce first time guest uh, to talk about a team that I feel like we talk about on here uh, a lot because uh, Misery Loves Company and and they, for the first time in a while, were as miserable as we were last year, even a little bit more miserable, actually, as hard as that was. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, he is a host of Jack Ramsey's on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, talks about the Blazers, also writer for the Blazers Edge. Danny Morang, hello, sir. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, no, Misery does love company. And uh, man, did they suck something fierce. It was uh, it was rough, man. Like that's I've been doing this for 10 years that I I don't ever want to do that again. Not like um, that. Not like that. Uh, that, that was that was that final 23 games where they went two and 21 was a level of basketball I didn't know was capable of in the NBA. I'll admit, I consider myself a pretty big NBA fan, and I would check the Blazers box scores and look at the names, and there would be a two or three names every right. night where I'm like, nope, nope, <laughs> just, I'm, I'm sorry, apologies yeah, no. to whoever you are, sir. 
Listen, man, some guys got to live some NBA dreams. They they lost more games by 30 or more this year than any team in NBA history. They the roster and the the the, the team that they ran out this year again, no uh, no shade on any of those guys, was the worst basketball team in the modern NBA. I mean, probably since like 1980, you could probably you could literally go back probably into the 60s and 70s. It's well, it's, I wish it was that bad. I was checking the net ratings because again, I'm a sociopath and and mm-hmm. I help go to sleep and put myself asleep at night by thinking about like the Knicks second half net rating mm-hmm. and like you know, oh, they're still playing defense. The, the 14th lineup combination down the list. Eh, there's a little little nugget there. We'll see what we can get out it's, of that. Listen, man, you know it's all about the nuggets. The more nuggets, it's like they're like gold coins. Um, and I would look at the the Blazers net rating in the second half of the year after the All Star break, and I'm like, this can't be a real number. No. This is this is fake. Minus twenty two. Is that something along those lines? Yeah, is possible. Yeah, no, it was bad. I mean, it was really bad. There were some bright spots. You had Anthony Simons, right, you know, before the All Star break, where he looked like an all, all not maybe not all NBA, but definitely all star oh, caliber player. I want to get uh, into Simons. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, listen, I mean, that's that. Uh, it's, it was over my shoulder. That's my guy. He just, literally just turned twenty three years old yesterday. I, I had him in his first interview when he came to Portland. He was an eighteen year old kid who showed up with his parents and his agent. He looked he looked like he weighed maybe a buck sixty five. I mean, just the tiniest little dude. And then to see what he's doing today, it's been one of the most tremendous like growth spikes I've ever seen in like in season ever. It was it was that part of the season was really fun. I, I think there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, from my granted, from my outsider's vantage point for the Blazers, um, I, I want to get into how the season went. But before I even get there, uh, before this year started i always like to kind of get the full scope of a team's year when i when i talk to someone about them what was your personal mindset going into this coming off of the sweep last year and like where was your head at um like i am very much anti-neil olshay i have been for a very long time he refused to trade cg mccullum for six straight seasons after lamarcus alders was very clear that he was going to leave and they got nothing for him I, i was done with neil um i wanted them to hard reset and build around dame just literally trade everything, take it down, you know, pre-process, you know, uh, type stuff. Sure. And, uh, you know, they, they came out and they won, was it 40, 42 games? I did make a fair amount of money on that. The, the Vegas over is 27 and a half. I smashed that. Cause I was like, listen, Damian Lillard led teams are going to be 40 wins folks. Um, Smart man. that, listen, that was the only time I ever was like, ah, I'll take the over on this team. Um, but they, Let's, let's be clear. They got their asses handed to them in a manner that I did not think possible uh, in that Denver series. Damian Lillard had arguably the best playoff performance statistically of all time. Uh, I think he had, he had 50, 50, 53, 55, 55, okay. 12 and six. If I'm remembering right. And his true, his true shooting percentage, I think was 97%. It was to be game. there and to take that in was just incredible and i think i think he would have had somewhere around 22 assists had anybody hit a, a bleeping shot like it was just nobody helped cj was a dumpster fire nurk i believe he i think that's the game he fouled out of the third one that he fouled out of because he was throwing a, a tantrum about having to guard Jokic heads up um like it was just the most disastrous thing and, and yet neil olshay sat there and said basically it was terry stotts's fault that the team was bad defensively. Not the fact that he had three, six, three or under guys starting, not the fact that he had a one way to play center and Yusuf Nurkic, not the fact that they had zero wing stoppers, not the fact that they just couldn't put anything on the floor that made any sense. So they can Terry Stotts, which listen, 
it, they could have moved off the stops before that. That's fine. But Good coach, right? Sure. Listen, I, I love Terry. Absolutely love him. Um, I think he was incredibly successful here. I think if you coach somewhere for, for uh, was it nine years and you are able to have a top three offense basically every single year, you're doing something decently yeah. right. Um, in the times that they did have like relatively decent defensive players, basically the 2014-15 season when you had Dame, uh, Wes Matthews, Nick Batum, LaMarcus Aldridge, Robin Lopez, like they were, I mean, that's a Western Conference Finals team before uh, Wes Matthews tears his Achilles. Um, but again, this, I say all of this is a long lead around because it's so crazy. You the, the Blazers season went through these different issues where you had Terry Stotts fired and then you had the um, Yusuf Nurkic in the summer basically leaked that Neil O'Shea told him that he was not going to trade Nurkic. He was not going to trade CJ and they were going to run it back. And I was like, there is no freaking way. Nurk is full of it. There's no way. Neil, like he's, he's no, there's no way he's just stupid. And then he was that stupid. He was put up against the wall. The Knicks were chasing Norman Powell. Uh, so Neil had to make sure to give him that fifth year to get things done. I had heard, I had heard the Knicks were, were making the Knicks, the, the Knicks were the, the next highest suitor. And the thing was, Norm wasn't like thrilled to come back to Portland, but he got another year, basically $20 million. So he took the deal. And if you look at the guy, the Knicks ended up signing Evan Fournier. Almost the exact same deal. Similar deal. And like not terribly dissimilar players. Uh, They do some different things, but in terms of like your general archetype, like it checks out, you know, they're they're, they're play enders. They're, they're, yes. not re- they're not really working as connectors or anything along those lines. Fournier's got a little bit more of a playmaking. Norm's got a little bit more of a down. Hey, when you watch him every day, that, that, that I'm just saying, yeah. we're, we're <laughs> like Norm's definitely a downhill guy. hundred no, percent. Yeah. And yeah. If, you, if you look at like playmaking, like it just, when you compare to Norm, it's not that Norm's like not capable of it. It's just not what he wants to do. It's just, didn't he have the 50 spot without an assist? That was him, right? Back at night for Portland. Yeah, no, uh, I think you're. I think you're right in Toronto. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know he's. I know he's got like a 40 point game where he had like two assists. But yeah, maybe maybe I'm. I'm saying 50 when it was. Four. I know he had like. Was but he had a monster. A of, yeah, he had yeah. a monster game where like, it's it's not uncommon for him to have like you know 28 and one. Like that's okay. that's that's a that's like a good night for Norm. Like that's that's just kind of what he is. Um, but the Blazers. So you paid him. So he gets paid. The Blazers run it back. I had heard all offseason leading in. I'm like. The biggest signings the Blazers are going to make are Norm Powell as a restricted free agent, or excuse me, as a, a, a bird right free agent. And then they're going to have Cody Zeller and Tony Snell. And people are like, no, 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 they're not going to get anything better than that. I go, watch. <laughs> Boom. Zeller lands. Boom. Snell lands. Everyone's like, oh, you weren't kidding. I go, no. Oh, I wasn't. <laughs> so the one. Before, you didn't say finish. Yeah. Oh, I was say the, the one move that I was actually behind was Larry Nance Jr. Oh, love Larry Nance Jr. But they just had nobody to stop anybody in front of him. And you couldn't really play him as a four next to Nurk because they kind of occupy the same space while Larry can play up a little bit higher. Nurk plays a little bit lower, obviously. It just wasn't real simpatico. And like the high, low actions that you wanted to get from both of them as playmakers, they never really played off each other all that well. And it just never, it never really worked. They just, it was a bad fit on top of the fact that you've got Bob Covington, who he had his worst start of his career here so bad that he got benched in the beginning. So all of this stuff happens. There's a power struggle. Like there was, the Blazers tried to hire Spolstra in the offseason. Everybody forgets that. I like didn't they, even know that. Oh, they made a hard run. They made a hard run at Spolstra. Um, and Spo wanted, because Spo's from here. 
Spro, Spo went to the middle school here. Actually, went to the same middle school. Uh, went, went to high school here, Jesuit High School, and then played at University of Portland. His family's still out here. Like, he's a Portland guy through and through. Um, it's kind of crazy. You think about it. You got Ema and Spo out there and Danny Ainge, all, all Portland guys that are Not a there. bad group. Yeah, not too bad. Um, but they made this hard charge, and, and they were going to give Spo player control. So he was going to be pretty. So he was going to be like Riley when Riley first got to the Heat. Basically, and minus, the, minus the ownership, yeah. Yes, and I think honestly that that was the Heat basically said, okay, you'll you'll be the you'll you'll get that here in Miami. I think it's how that whole deal kind of went eventually, mm-hmm. which out. again makes sense um, from Godfather to Godfather. Um, <laughs> so again, this is a long lead up because this this last calendar year basically started June first and just was a shit show. And as we got through all of this, it was more unstabilized, and then we had the Damian Lillard stuff. Where it was very much, you know, is it going? Yeah, I mean, want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, let's briefly. I mean, it's old news, so we don't we don't need to spend too much time on it. But I'm I'm just curious. I guess I don't want to say like what were you hearing, but I I know on our end there was a thought that like he looked it it, it felt like if the deal if if he was it, the, the, what we always were under the impression of was like if he went into the office and he made the demand, the Knicks would do what it took to bring him to New York. That was how we took it. I would say this. Dane, after 10 years, has earned the right to ask around. Hmm. You do not go to Los Angeles and take a dinner with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and say you're not looking around. And I think it was less about looking around and more about of a power play of getting me a little shade of hell on town. That's, that's how I look at it. Because well, this... This went on for three months. So I heard that they were trying to get rid of him probably three weeks before it went public. Like it was one of those things. I'm like, I think they're going to try and get rid of him. I think they're like, they're, they're trying to do something because the vibes around the team were so bad. They, they, they got absolutely slacked on opening night against the Kings. And they lost by the 20 something. I was like, Jesus, that was awful. Uh, game two or game three, they played this. It was, I think game three, they played the Suns, and the Suns had played three and four nights. And they beat the Suns. He was like, "Oh no, it was a slow start." I go, "The Suns just played like crap, guys. Like that's that's not a that that wasn't a good team that night. That's yeah. that was they had no interest in playing. I think they came from L.A. on a Friday night. I think is what it was. So yeah. put two and two together. Um, and it was like, no, things are fine. And then they proceeded to just play awful. Dame was obviously very uh, not Dame esque. He couldn't move. And there was people saying, "Well, he's just adjusting to Chauncey's system." So he had all this stuff going. So now that's just the other part of this I didn't even mention. They bring in Chauncey Billups, which all of the other stuff that went along with that. Uh, yes, Portland was not thrilled uh, as the, the the political landscape of this city is is uh, shaped. And then, so he, again, just keep putting another piece of wood on the pile. And then it gets to um, what December December fourth. And all shade's gone. And it was like, oh boy, now what? Because <laughs> you, you've already invested in this season. You've already paid Norm. You've already committed to CJ McCollum. Like you've, like you've already done all these things. You've already traded for Larry Nance Jr. You've already moved in their pick. You've now moved three picks for Robert Covington and Larry Nance Jr. And the, your last year's MLE signing in Derek Jones Jr. was sent out for Larry Nance Jr. So like you, you've doubled down on your asset pool being gone. Your general manager is gone. You're mired in easily the worst stretch of basketball in Damian Lillard's career. Dame's hurt. And it was one of those things where it's just, 
okay, now what? And I'm sitting there screaming, just tank, 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 just, just turn into the skid, man. Be done with it. It's, it's okay. And Dame gets a cortisone shot, plays for a couple of weeks. They get a couple of wins. Uh, CJ's playing or out with a collapsed lung. He comes back and it's just awkward. It doesn't make sense. It's very clear at this point in time that once Joe Cronin has taken charge, that CJ's gone because the buildup to the CJ trade was basically from Christmas on. But like, and, and yet at this time, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys were still in playing position, like relatively close because of the way the West was. I was yeah. about to say it wasn't yeah. necessarily because of anything you no. guys were. It was the top four doing. teams and everybody else was in a bloodbath because yeah. everybody was beat up in the beginning of the season. Yeah. So you get into the trade deadline and Joe Cronin has been granted interim GM powers and we knew CJ was gone. And that's when everything changed. Right. Which, by that, the way, there were some rumors of CJ to New York in terms yeah, of, no, in they, terms they, of like they, they, they were they looking kicked around. Yeah, look, yeah. You're going to do your due diligence. Um, I think what I had heard was it was some form of, of Fournier, uh, some draft capital and one of the kids. I don't know which kid it was. I don't know if it was RJ or if it was OB or if it was, it was quick. I, but I know two of the components were. A draft capital and, and Fournier for the, the Blazers. So in Joe Cronin, the reason they did the deal with New Orleans is because good of, deal, by the way, it, I thought they got actually, they got screwed by the Pelicans making the playoffs. Like had they yeah. had that other lottery pick this year, they would have a lot more ammunition right now. So that I should know this. If that converts, is that converts to the second it's, or two it, seconds? It's no, it's one. It's a 2025 Milwaukee first. Oh, that's right. First. That's why it just feels like it's going to be a second because. Yeah, the because it's going to be, like be 27. Good. So, yeah. um, but yeah, no, that's, still, that's still that's, a first round sucks. pick, but it's not a lottery pick. And that's that, that matters. Um, if you like, if you're looking at like what's active in the market right now, I'm not sure we'll trade it. We'll talk about those trades. Um, Aaron Gordon was basically moved for what was a 2025 pick. Gary Harris and uh, RJ Hampton, which yep. if you're looking at the landscape right now, I would imagine the Blazers, when they're going shopping, it's either with their number seven, which they're probably going to move as well as their Milwaukee 2025 first. And if they want to get real spicy, they can remove the protections. I was about the to they, say, yeah, they had the Bulls pick. Yeah. So that they, they should be good enough. They should play to God that they're good enough that they don't go in the lottery. Well, I mean, Again, I'm I'm not good on how the language needs to go in those situations when a team wants to get around the protections and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like you, you could you could trade future picks even if technically you have the pick is out. You know the obligations lasting until you can you know, move stuff around. Yeah, yeah. So there's opportunity there, but if they had had basically number seven and number eight, where where they sit right now, or or number seven and number ten, then they're loaded as far as like what they could go do. Now it's a little bit dicier. But they do all that. They go two and 21 down the stretch. I was let's just give you, you guys an idea of what I was doing. I was doing pre and post game shows on YouTube. Like that was because I, I was the, the TV host for NBC for, for pre and post games for five years. And then okay. the Blazers changed TV deals. And I was like, I started Jack Ramsey's a year and two days ago. And like, I was like happy you know anniversary. What? Thank you. <laughs> and I, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to do pre and post game shows. Nobody else is doing them. So I'm going to do these. And I had a lot of fun doing them again. And uh, we got, to I think three or four days before the deadline, I had a massive hip surgery and I looked at my co-host. I go, this team is awful. They're shutting it down. We are not doing pre and post game shows anymore. And we just, we just packed it up and we dipped out and we just like every now and then like, uh, not every now and then we spiked two or three times a week, just kind of did a live show. Like here's the state of the franchise. Here's what's going on. Here's what they're trying to do. And it became more like a cathartic response than actually analyzing anything. Cause there's nothing to be gained from the games because there's eight or nine guys that are not going to be on this roster next year. 
With a, I mean, in fairness, though, and we were saying a little bit beforehand, you know, Josh Hart, every reason to be very excited. And we were yeah, talking he, about I think he played, too. I think he played 14 games before they shut Hart down. Yeah, and Hart, he put up like 20. He, 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 he was, he was yeah. a, I think he was 24 and six. Like he played the best stretcher. He was career. awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then you had basically two months of Anthony Simons putting up like 28 and seven, shooting 45, 42, 90. And you're like, Oh yeah, no, he's going to get paid this off season. So there were some things you learned. Uh, Trenton Watford looked like a viable NBA rotation. Player. Is that the LSU kid? Yes. Yeah. Like he, he just like had him. some, okay. he just shows some juice as a defender. High, you know, high IQ stuff. Uh, not a explosive athlete, but a bit of a playmaker uh, had a little bit of a floater game, which is kind of weird for a six, eight dude. But you, you saw Greg Brown, the third from Texas, another rookie, like he started knocking down threes and you're like, well, that's Mike be something like you look forward to kind of like a Chris Boucher type where you've got that much spring and length knocking down threes and protecting the rim. But it's just the hearing, little things you could find. Hearing you talk about this reminds me so much of the season before what was supposed to be the summer of KD uh, yeah. for us, where they won Oops. 17 games and you're, you're like, you're watching games and you're like, you don't watch games in the sense of like, oh, I wonder if the score. No, yeah. <laughs> you're watching players to see what they do and how they react to situations. Like that was a nice, that was a nice dig uh, on, on defense by Frank Nilaki. <laughs> now I'm going to write three three paragraphs about. Yeah, that no, 100. Like you're, yeah. you're you no longer. Honestly, it was a relief because yeah, they were fair. playing so bad. Like instead, it became about enjoying the players entirely. Like and there's there's no like pressure of. Well, you know, what are they going to do? How are they going to do this? Because they've been a playoff team for eight straight years and they found a way to claw themselves into playoffs so many different times where it was just like, oh God, are we really going to do this again? And instead, this time they they pulled the plug. They finally pulled the plug because they had new leadership and was like, this is this is the path, you know, this is the way. And uh, now, what are we, 14 days, two weeks from the NBA draft? We are for, uh, we're recording this on a Thursday night. So yes, yeah, for two weeks, exactly until the draft, I, I want to, I want to get to the off season in a second. One, yeah. one more question I have to ask because we have had many run-ins with lottery night over the years. <laughs> what was your, what was your lottery night? Like, uh, so we had the, uh, watch playback guys live show up and we had probably like 300 or so people in there. Oh. And I genuinely, even though I knew the math said number seven was the most likely single pick scenario, I think it was 26%. Yeah. There's a 40 plus percent chance that they get a top four pick. It's not bad. I, that's a decent number, right? It's, and a, I'm good, like, it's a goodly number. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm almost always the most pessimistic guy, but I was like, you know what, man, they got their ass kicked this year. Like they deserve a little bit of love. I think they're going to land four. I, 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 like, I don't think they're going to get top three. I don't obviously don't think they're going to get top one, but I think they're going to get four. And then I got crushed and I should know better. And um, uh, me and my co-host, I think our reaction was just a, a long beep, just beep, 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 you know, just, yeah. uh, and it, it sucked because we'd already gotten our ass kicked by the uh, Pelicans making the playoffs. So you thought maybe you can restore some of the lost value by getting a kick-ass pick. Like you could have that much more ammo in this draft. Um, Cause I think four is going to be the spot where you're going to see movement. Like four well, and five are going to fly. I think I had on someone who uh, covers the Kings. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before. Mm-hmm. I forget. Uh, times all, time all runs together, especially in the offseason. Yeah. No, especially the uh, season. You know, and like, obviously we're in 11 and we'll, we'll talk about, you know, draft chicanery in a, in a bit, but like, man, he, cause he has the same attitude as you, which is that 
they're going to trade the pick. It's just a yeah. matter of what they get for the pick. I, I just, I find it fascinating because to me, and I don't know if you, you know, have, have looked into like Jay Ivy, like Ivy's like, he's my wet dream over here yeah. and it's not going to happen. I know that, but it can't stop me. No, I mean, it's exactly the kind of player you guys need. I, in my opinion. So, and there's just enough uncertainty about him and about some key components in his game. That it's like, there's a reason he's going to fall to four. And there's a reason that the pick is going to be available. Probably yeah. if you know, depending, um, let's not forget. I mean, Don, Donovan Mitchell was not a top 10 pick. Like that draft was obviously a lot better yeah. in 2017, but you look at like who guys who he, I know everyone wants to give him the, the Westbrook John Morant stuff. I, I don't look at him like that. Even if he's athletic as he is, I look at him more like Mitchell. Um, I think that's yeah. a fair comment in, ter- in terms of what they can do. I mean, obviously, um, Ivy's a special athlete. Yeah, he, but I he think- has he has more than, than yes Mitchell in that respect. But otherwise, like their games are very similar. I com- completely agree. I actually wrote something very similar to that last week in terms of like if you're looking for a reason to believe that Ivy could turn into a All NBA ish caliber guy who can run pick effort, pick and roll pick and roll yeah. um look no further than than donovan mitchell unfortunately ivy's not gonna be falling to 13th in this draft probably not uh, but but i digress so um last thing before we get i want to get to the draft first and we'll talk about some other stuff mm-hmm. it, has there been any sentiment in portland this offseason about going a different direction than the direction that they're clearly going to go. Is, like, is, is there a segment of the fan? No, I mean, there's, there's, there's some, no, the, in the fan base, there are some people who are diehard use the pick trade Damian Lillard. That's what I'm wondering. Okay. Yeah, no, they're a very loud, very small group um, that think that hall of famers grow on trees. Um, <laughs> and listen, I, I am not immune to the idea of like playing spreadsheet basketball. Like spreadsheet basketball is a thing that like when you're just looking at it, like it makes sense to trade Damian Lillard and get what you can while you can to keep things going. But when you get one of those guys, you don't trade them. Mm. And for me personally, I would like to see a Portland trailblazer, maybe the greatest of all time, not leave under bad circumstances because every single one of their franchise's pillars is left in a crappy situation. Bill Walton damn near, you know, he sued the medical staff. On his way out, uh, Clyde Drexler basically forced his way out to go home to Houston. LaMarcus Aldridge said, peace. Uh, I don't want to be the second fiddle to uh, a young kid. I mean, every single guy you look at in this franchise's history that has been, I mean, hell, Brandon Roy, you know, retires wow. and then medically unretires and gets in a basically a pissing match over Paul Allen because they had a handshake agreement. And all of a sudden, Paul Allen was on the hook for his insurance money. Like it is like every single Mount Rushmore face of this franchise has left in less than great circumstances. And I would rather just see Damian Lillard play like 17 years in Portland and hang it up and call it good. Like if he wants to, if he wants to leave at the very end of his career and go to golden state or go to Utah, you know, go back where he played college or go back where he grew up and go ring chasing or something like that. Cool. But I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm at the point where I'm, I'm okay with him just kind of riding down here as weird as that sounds. I mean, I don't think it's weird. I think, you know, it's, I think it might've surprised some that he was, he made the the top 75 list. I, I thought he was, I had him 82 because we, I, I, I did one and I was like, he's there, but you're, you're going to make me now go look up where I had, cause I had him <laughs> right. I, I swear to you, I had him right around the same spot. I think I want to yeah. say like clay and Powell 
were my last two on. And like Dame was in that like next tier of 10. Like there, there's a group of like seven or eight, nine guys where you're like, yeah. depending on where you fall. Yeah. And I, 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 like I said, I had, again, we're, we're splitting hairs. We're talking about a top 100 player of all time. And it, but the point is he, whether it's 75, 85, hundred, he's, he's in that group. And yeah. Is he in his prime anymore? I'm sure you could ask, you know, 10 different GMs and get 10 I'll different you, answers. On I'll that. tell you what, this, man. Yeah. What? Coming back off the surgery. Like this isn't even like the, the Portland guy in me. I genuinely think, because this is a guy who takes care of his body. Like you wouldn't believe talking to people around him. He is chomping at the bit to go out there and show everybody what he can do. Like he, I, I think post-surgery, he's going to be, exactly the guy you think he is. And well, he's that's be a, you know, a 30, 30 and seven guy who absolutely annihilates teams on a nightly basis. That, I was, that's a frightening thought for the West, <laughs> especially, especially a West. And like, I don't want to go too far into the weeds right now, but like it's open. It's I, you took the words. out Cause you look, 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 seriously, like look around. Where is the team where you're like, uh, no, they're here. There's nothing we could do for that. I mean, the days of the, the obviously the KD Warriors, those those are long gone. And now it's like, I mean, you got Luca there, but I, I who's I, his I, running mate? Let's, yeah, listen, I, who's his running mate? That's that's the thing. Well, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if his running current running mate found his way to uh, the the Big Apple. But again, <laughs> different different conversation for for a different podcast. Shout um, out to Brunson's. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to the Brunson's. Uh, Dad's back. We got one out of the two. Yeah. That's good. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But yeah, no, I don't see the team. So I don't think it's crazy. And the, but the question comes down to, all right, how are you going to do it? And I know I, again, from afar, have referred to the Blazers as the team with the greatest variance for this offseason, just yes. in terms of how they can operate. Sitting here right now, I am, I don't want to, again, not get too far into the salary cap weeds. I'm under the impression they're going to operate as an over the cap team. So they 100%. keep those trading. Okay. So they, that's, they are not renouncing guys to go. So- the Zach Levine, Bradley Beal stuff. I mean, you can go look, go, go, go look at who the agencies are. Clutch and uh, 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 Bartlestein. So Mark Bartlestein has worked with in the Neil Olshay era. If you go through Mark Bartlestein's client list, it is just a who's who of second, third, fourth, fifth tier NBA players that have signed on the Trailblazers. The Olshay had a great relationship with Bartlestein and his clients. And it was basically like a puppy mill for Bartlestein clients. Like it was just, if you wanted to know who Portland was going to target in the offseason, just go throw a dart at that, at that client list. And that's where it was going to land. And then obviously with right now, uh, both Chauncey Billups and Yusuf Nurkic are clutch 
And uh, I've been told that Joe Cronin's contract, while he was not signed to Clutch, was helped negotiated by Clutch. Oh, interesting. Okay. And it, yeah, let's go down that list and remind me again who is OG Ananobi represented by? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's get right to it. So, so the, the the article came out. Uh, Jake Fisher had it for Bleacher Report. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a week ago, in which I think the exact quote was that like he he wasn't. He, there were rumors that he wasn't. He's not thrilled with his role. Did not throw the results. Scotty Barnes took up some of the auction in the room, which, which by the yeah. way, <laughs> Sky Barnes, pretty freaking good player. Yeah, that, uh, that's a Hooper. Yeah, no, he's, he's good. And they're, they're going to be very happy with him for a long time, but it means OG might be on the move. Um, so it sounds like he's a name that you guys have circled. Yeah, no, that is a hundred percent who they are. They are going after right now. Um, I heard back in March that they wanted OG. And I kind of started talking about it and I got a bunch of pushback. The Raptors would never trade him because of the trade deadline. Uh, they, they basically said these six guys are off the table. You, you cannot touch these guys. Which you know uh, is such a lie. Like whatever an NBA team is like, we have six untouchable. Yeah. Come on. It's like, come on. You, you have two. one untouchable player. You've, you have two. It's Scotty and Pascal right now. Yes. That's, like, that's, that's fair. Let's, let's be honest. Um, but you look at, where they were. And I love this because Masai and, and Maury are both treated it with such reverence. Like they'll never lose a trade. And it's like, well, I mean, just so you, for the Raptor fans that are out there, Masai could have had precious and Tyler Harrow for Kyle Lowry. And they screwed that one up. So that's, that's a fun one. And then they also had another opportunity where they could have gotten even more assets from uh, Philadelphia because they haggled over Matisse Thibault. So for all of the Raptors fans out there that, that Masai is, uh, Bulletproof. He listen. Uh, he dropped the ball pretty bad. Once upon, you want to talk about uh, getting lucky? Uh, Kyle Lowry was he was he was a Nick, and mm-hmm. J- James Dolan, uh, God God bless him, stepped in and put the kibosh on that because he did not want to uh, lose another trade to the Toronto Raptors, and uh, now the Raptors have a ring, and the Knicks are still looking for a point guard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just. Listen. The Bargnani halo. It, it, it lingers for a long time, man. How we managed to get Bargs into a, a, a podcast between a Blazers guy and a Knicks guy. Uh, well, listen, I mean, he I, I'm pretty well versed in, in Knicks lore. So um, it's, a, it's a kind word for it. it yeah, was, I tried to not call it something terrible, but um, no, that was not one of our uh, not one of our brighter. It, it happens, man. It happens. But uh the Blazers are chasing OG. I have been told unequivocally that that is their number one target. Um, he is not only a clutch client, he's also a very good friend of Damian Lillard's. So I, Jake Fisher, I think was on with, with uh, Nate Duncan earlier today. And somebody sent me the audio and said that uh, Jake had said that um, he believes that OG would only be moved uh, in a bigger package and not for Interesting. a pick. I've been told that basically if push came to shove, Seven and something like Josh Hart would be pretty close to what the package would be expected to be if they were going to not go in that direction. But I've also heard of the notes that uh, OG and Gary Trent Jr. could be on the table for Rudy Gobert, which apparently they just want to play all defense and have nobody dribble. Um, it's going to be that'd be an interesting team to say the least. But, to, uh, yeah, defensively the that's is- that's insanity. Like you, you're going to run out, you know, Scotty, Fred, uh, what? Like precious off the bench, or we're gonna play precious to the four with and you Pascal still have Siakam and, and yeah, they got the kid, the the rookie from uh, the, like the six nine quasi point guard who they they like yeah. to. Um, they, 
just a bunch of like stupid long dudes who play defense. So I, I don't know how much truth there is to that. But beyond that, the Blazers are chasing OG. Like that's the one I think that they're going after the hardest. The second one on that list is DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I, I have heard that that is a deal that Ayton's representatives would be amenable to as far as him coming to Portland and playing alongside Damian Lillard because Chris Paul makes life easier for DeAndre Ayton. Difference is, Chris Paul is a different kind of pick and roll point guard. Yeah. where he's significantly better as a passer uh, and setting guys up. The scoring gravity of Damian Lillard would allow DeAndre Ayton to probably change his game up a little bit and be a bit more involved as far as uh, pick and pops or things of that nature. Seems so, like the guy he probably wants to be. Which I, I, I think he wants to be more than just a rim run. I think he yeah. wants to show more game. And last year, he was the best mid-range shooter in the league. He shot like something like 52% in all mid-range. It was bonkers. Uh, and if you go look at his, his um, uh, you know, cleaning the glass numbers as far as his mid-range efficiency and uh, accuracy, it's, it's through the roof. So, um, and that would be a, a sign and trade with use of Nurkic and some moving parts um, going out to, to Phoenix, I believe, in that, in that situation. And the third one is John Collins. John Collins is a guy I've heard that once out of Atlanta, uh, they're amenable to get him out of there. The, they very much look like the Blazers did in 2018 where they, they come off that Western Conference Finals where they yeah. got shellacked, but they're like, oh, well, let's double down on this team. We're just going to pay everybody. And they had already given CJ McCollum his extension a year early, so they overpaid CJ, and they said, we're going to overpay everybody. Well, it turns out that was probably fool's gold. And I think it's very much the same with, with the Hawks um, and well, Trey Young. So we, we, don't, uh, we don't have to go through uh, the teams they beat on the way to the Eastern Conference <laughs> listen, Finals. I, listen, I barely I, remember who Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's how it goes, but uh, their books are bad. Like they just, they have too much money committed and they don't really have any way they can go. And Travis Slink is like, before we get backed into a corner where we have to get rid of a bunch of assets to move off of contracts, even if their their players are decent, like Norman Powell, CJ McCollum, Robert Covington, the Larry Nance Jr. players, the Blazers basically dropped. They're not bad players, but in order to get rid of those guys and not bring back money, they had to take back less assets because the Blazers got a $20 million trade exception that they're hoping to use for OG and Anobi. They got, draft capital back. They got off of four more years of paying Norman Powell. Like they didn't get back what they, what Neil O'Shea gave up, but Neil O'Shea basically took a roster over 10 years and stripped it down for parts. So there was really nothing to work with. So the name that we're, I'm going to bring up Julius Randall in a second. I've been, yeah, no, no, I've been no, holding no. it because I, listen, I, I, I like to wait. Guys been asking. Listen, I like to wait until I get my, my dreams crushed. It's just kind of my thing. I like to prolong the pain. Um, the name that you haven't brought up is Jeremy Grant, um, who is the name that has been connected with you guys yep. for a while. And I think like there are a lot of people out there who just kind of assume that that's the guy who will fit into the trade exception, who I think that would need to be done in this league year. I, if, if yeah. I, yeah, yeah. because, because if, his, if, his extension that he, he would sign would be more. Yes. So. Um, that not a guy you think they're going to go after? I still think he's there, but I think he's option four. Okay. Because I think that they're looking at, again, they're, they're looking at guys. If you look at OG, he's 24, about to be 25. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's 23. John Collins is 24. So they're looking for guys that are basically in prime or prime-ish, but also fit alongside 23-year-old Anthony Simons because Anthony Simons is going to get the keys to this franchise at some point in time. Like that's, So you don't think he's going a restricted free agent for anybody who doesn't It's know getting you? paid and he's staying here. Okay. All right. Now, Yusuf Nurkic might get moved into sign a trade, but I... I would be shocked if Anthony Simons was not a Portland Trailblazer. Just hands down. I, I, 
as Anthony. kind of the next in line yes. after Dame type yeah. of deal. You're you're that impressed by him. Okay. I, I've been impressed from afar, but I just didn't know what it was like to watch him every day. I, so a little anecdote. I was talking to Ant right around the all-star break and I said, listen, man, I, you know, I always thought you'd be a good player. Like his shot creation platform is, was something like in summer league. It was like, good God, this kid weighs like a buck 65, buck 70, but there's nobody who can stop him. He could create a shot against anybody. And I, I hadn't seen a guy like that who didn't go to college, who played at IMG, IMG yeah. Yeah. like all of a sudden come out there and just destroy everybody. It was, it was evident immediately that he had no business being out there. And I go, listen, I don't know what the kid's going to turn into. I don't know if he's going to be anything more than a six man, which again, like anything more, like most guys aren't six men. Like that's a good NBA yeah. career. And then he had this, you know, 35 game burst where he looked like he could be transcendent as a scorer in the NBA. And th- from that period alone, he was the most efficient and uh, effective pick and roll score in the entire NBA. He had a 1.14 point per possession rate <sighs> from second spectrum. That's- he was in and. Heaven forbid you ran drop coverage. I think he had like a 1.67, I think is what it was on, on drop coverage. He annihilated drop. His only real shortcoming offensively um, was that he wasn't great at handling switches yet because they hadn't, he hadn't done that a lot in his career. He didn't know how to attack those mismatches regularly. So that's the thing he's working on this offseason. But and he's only 23. Like you said, yeah, you know, he's, he's literally he's just young. turned 23 yesterday. And I say all yeah. of this because I was talking to him. I go, listen, man, I think you're going to be a good player. I always thought you would be. I did not think you would be this. He goes, you know, it's funny, man. As my dad said the same thing like ten minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in good company then. Well, I mean, it was just funny because his dad's even telling you, I didn't know you were gonna be this good. Like, I, his, his dad Charles is great, but it was just like, yeah, it's just kind of how he is, man. Like he, his offseason coaches, like I've I've talked to a few times, and they say that basically he's a savant. Like he, he went from not being able to like consistently be a. A, a true ball handler to running an offense so efficiently, the Warriors threw a box and won it on during the regular season. Like that's that's the kind of stuff he was doing. It was like, no, we just we can't let this guy absolutely torch our entire team, even though he's playing with four G League guys. Dude, he he was. I remember he was still in. I, I'm sure you remember the the comeback against the Knicks, where the Knicks had their their first game against that the game Blazers. was over, and he went nuclear. Yeah, game was it was it was beyond over. And look, the Knicks had a lot to do with that because they had a lot to do with that. A lot of uh, they, they nixed teams. it pretty hard. They oh yes, they they gave a new definition to to nixing a game this yeah. year. Um, I I lost count of the amount of fourth quarter leads they blew. In any case, I think he's the real deal as well. Um, so that's interesting. So you don't think he's going anywhere? Um, you listed the 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 guys that you think are their targets. One, two, three, four. Julius Randle, not anywhere on that list. I'm not surprised uh, here in New York to give you a little bit of insight into where the thinking is here. There's some people who very much want Julius Randle back and are like, why would you sell low on him? Um, yeah. Give him a chance to rehab his value, which I get that there is another segment of the fan base, which I am closer to where it's potentially <laughs> like, related. Yeah. Well, we're, 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 we're first cousins um, where I am just very fearful of his overall aura right now in the mm-hmm. franchise. Cause it, things got pretty ugly here last year at times. And I'm not even talking about like the, the thumbs down nonsense that he, no, the behind the scenes stuff. I've, I've, I've been told some of it, so it's not great. And yeah, no, it yeah. completely flipped, flipped the switch because the year before it was significantly better. He, he was, he had the keys to the city. Yeah. When I tell you he had the keys to the city, I, I, I'm not even exaggerating. Everybody loved him universally. And then it all flipped. Um, I'm not surprised to not 
hear his name come from your mouth because if I were the Blazers, I'm, and this has been a question that I've been asking uh, not only about Portland, about every team around yeah. the league who theoretically might potentially be a fit for him. Like you'd have to be a little desperate to take the risk. And it mm. sounds like Portland is going to have some other options. So they're not going to be that desperate. They're desperate in the sense of like, they're trying to step up and take big swings. Like that is, that is where they're at. They are hoping to step up. Like that was the, the, the hallmark of the Neil Olshay era was that they failed to take swings. There were opportunities to trade for Paul George. There were opportunities to trade for Jimmy Butler. Like there were opportunities to trade for big time players that Neil Olshay failed to execute because he would not move on from CJ McCollum because it was his, like, this is full on golem, golem, my precious type stuff. He would not <laughs> let go. Like it was, it was, I had talked to other executives or like, he won't trade him. There's no way he will trade him. There's not a world exists where he will trade CJ McCollum. And it was very frustrating. But as it pertains to Julius Randle, I like Randle as a player. I, I do. I, I think he, he does some things that are, are good in the sense of uh, working as a playmaking hub. I, obviously, the shooting was, was way down this year. But I, I think that especially if you're talking about like the best version of him like last year, around the right team, he makes sense. Alongside Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic, no. Nope, 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 nope. That's, just, that's yeah, it's too too much. It's it's a question of that's why you you mentioned the shooting and it's like I think there's always been a certain question about like well what is Julius Randle if the shot never comes around and it worked in you know L A in stretches and in New Orleans in a stretch because he played with fives that could space the floor and he was the yep. five a lot on on those teams. And it worked for that reason. Didn't really work his first year here. And then the second year here, he started hitting shots. I think the other question that a lot of people, including me, have asked over the years, which is like, well, what would he look like alongside a true number one? And I think that's a convenient theory that he would slot in more nicely, but it still has to make sense basketball wise. And I'm, I'm just... I could kind of see it with Dame more than I could see with others. But when you, like you say, you bring, you bring up Nurk, if, if Nurk is still going to be there. Um, they both operate in the same space and Nurk yeah. needs a ton of space. I mean, he's seven foot, 300 pounds. Like Nurk's one of the true, probably the five big, like if you talk about like the five biggest guys in the NBA, yeah. he's on that list. And he just needs a ton of space to operate. And even getting guys like when he posts up, or if he's on a, you know, on the short roll, if you've got really anybody inside the free throw line extended area, like it's just, it's not good. It's just having guys even running the dunker spot, unless you're looking for a lob from him, like it just clogs stuff up too much. And they basically need to go four out with him to make, make things work. We, we saw that when they tried to run Larry Ness Jr. and Nurk at the same time. It was like, this is, this is awkward. Like it just, if Randall had like a viable, like 35% three point shot, not even like, high usage rate, but just enough to like open up a little bit. You could maybe see that kind of working, but between those two, but as far as like if, if Nurk wasn't there, if they had a stretch five, I could see a pick and roll combination with, with Randall and Dame. Absolutely. I could see that working incredibly well, but if he was willing, if he was to be willing- the screening partner that many times a night, cause Nurk screens probably 30 times a game, maybe more like that's the, that's a lot of wear and tear without getting your hands on the ball. And that's the other part about Julius is like, as any Nick fan has watched a game of the last three years, no, like Julius knows how to get 
in the area where he's supposed to set the screen and he will kind of do the thing. Um, but in terms of Olay. really, yeah, <laughs> in terms of really making the effort to, to make that function. And then, you know, you get into stuff like what he would have to do off ball. So um, my dreams have, have been killed. Unfortunately, um, I am, I am still curious. I, I'm probably higher on, on Randall overall as a talent than, than other people. You probably he's talented. About. Like I like him as a player. I just, the fit is just too wonky in Portland. But and here's the issue: if the fits walking in Portland, you and you, we don't have to go through all the other teams because God knows I've done it enough. But like, you look the team around, does it like yeah? It, there isn't a team that there's, has there's a, a great fit right now. It's so weird. There was such a push for five six years with the Warriors to go five out to get yeah. like stretch fives and stuff like that. And now it's like you look around the league, there's not any real stretch fives. Like there's there's a couple, but they're not the. It, it was it, almost like, kind of a joke where how quickly it went away. It's like, eh. it's like, there are still guys that do it, but like, so that's why somebody like Mo Bamba fascinates you. Like Mo Bamba is going to be restricted free agent. The and magic that are, New York is very much on his list. So I, and I'm not surprised because if you're Mo Bamba, like, why wouldn't you want to try to come? Why wouldn't you want to go home? Yeah. Um, he's from, I think he's from Harlem. Um, yeah. and, but like, he's a, he's a, Rim protecting, legi- I mean, his percentages. Listen, are legit. you don't need to tell me. Like, I, I, if the Blazers have the full MLE, I want them to throw it at Mo Bamba. I had Mo Bamba at Hoop Summit in 2018. He blocked uh, Michael Porter Jr. at the rim on a dunk, and then got out to the free at the three point line and swat swatted Gary Trent Jr.'s three. And I went, "Holy shit!" Yeah, and then he can hit it, and then he can hit it three at the other end. There's just not a lot yeah. of guys who have his particular set of skills, and yet it hasn't. Real, I mean, granted, how you judge anything in this Orlando last the year, he no, no, this last year he finally figured stuff out. If, if the Knicks yeah. actually get that version of Obama who gave a damn, he got got rid of the people around him. I, that, I hate asking that question. No, he had a lot of around him. He did. Well, no, I mean, I just like the fact that you have to ask the question: Does yeah. he give a damn now? It's yeah, no, he didn't. He, he yeah, he didn't. I mean, that's let's. I I hate saying that about guys. But the more I'm around the league, the more you know about guys. And I think it would kill most fans to know how many players don't. <laughs> there, there are not that many guys who look at this as more than a job. The, the guys that are in the top 15 in the league are there not only because they're talented beyond belief, it is because they care. Jimmy Butler is not the most talented player in the league. Yeah, I was about the first name that should come to anybody's mind. Yeah, not, not even close. He cares more than basically anybody. And that's what Dame Dame's a six, one guard. Like you don't get to where he is. Whoever stayed in. Yeah. Like you don't get there without giving a damn. And then you look at a guy like Mo Bamba, who, I mean, seven foot tall, what is it? Seven Just, foot six wingspan out of this world. Athleticism yeah. moves guys that big. Don't move that fluid. And he's like a freaking deer. And you just see him cover ground. And you're like, why are you not uh, yeah. doing more? Like what what yeah. what is what is breaking down here in the first couple of years in Orlando? But again, Orlando is where players go to die. So, well, he's a guy that I wouldn't mind uh, them taking a chance on for for the reasons we just talked yeah. about. Uh, I I am before we we close up shop. I am curious because you guys do have. Um, so you mentioned the big trade exception. I think you also have like a trade exception for ten or eleven or something. There's, there's a small. So there's there's the twenty. Basically, call it twenty-one million. Yeah, and twenty-one. There's another one, I think, is what six point eight four. Like, I think, I think it goes up to about seven and a half. Um, okay. And I don't know how much how likely they are to use that one, but that is a way to facilitate another deal. By like a, a three-way deal comes up. I've heard the Suns 
uh, on top of DeAndre Ayton may look to move Cam Johnson because they're trying to save some money. Uh, if they moved Cam Johnson, man, I mean, it, just take the team away from. So Sarver. I mean, they, I I want Sarver to continue having the team, so he works <laughs> I'm sure the team for the rest of the NBA. <laughs> Because it's like uh, it's, it's so funny they're they're splitting hairs over paying DeAndre, which it's it's funny to me because value wise somebody's going to give him maximum league. Like, yes, there's zero question he will get a, he will be paid the maximum amount of money he can be paid next year. And it's like you have a center who can't be played off the floor in the NBA Finals. Isn't that everyone's goal? No, apparently not. Not if you're. I just I just I I I understand like not wanting to pay a center that money, but also at the same time like you have one that justifies it. Like it's. Uh, the Sarver stuff is it's it's hilarious, but it's unfortunate for yeah. for Suns fans. Um, yeah, you guys are familiar with ownership. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, I have to say, I just gonna knock on some wood. Dolan over the last few years has been really, honestly, ever since he uh, he butted into the Mellow trade talks, and there are some people that really don't even mind because they ended up with Mellow, and Mellow was damn good. Mm. Uh, but he's been he's been okay. He hasn't he hasn't been terrible. Uh, I I. I I still wonder if Portland is a team that maybe might be interested in another one of the pieces that the Knicks have, um, you know, like a Derek Rose, like an Alec Burks guys who are like good NBA players could help a team that's trying to win. The salary stuff makes it a little tricky because you guys yeah. got Bledsoe. So Bledsoe is a $19 million expiring, yep. which I, which has some, has some weird machinations to it because very, it's, it's yes. the guarantee date isn't until free agency actually starts. I think it's, August 4th. And if he's traded, the full 19.3 gets guaranteed for, for next year. So it's not like a team that's looking to cut cap space is going to be able to trade for Eric Bledsoe and then just like cut him and, and, and what his works money as far as like an incoming, it only works for the um, guarantee rate until it gets guaranteed. So there's some, yes. there's, like I said, there's some weird it, stuff in there that allows you for the CBA to manipulate your books. It's it is funky. Um, you also got, I guess, uh, Winslow for about four million. Which yep. I don't. Do you guys like Winslow? I like. Oh, he's uh, Winslow impressed in the the limited time he was here. Even though he's kind of one of like those like island of misfit toys kind of players where yeah. can't really shoot, but he plays bigger than he is, and he has some playmaking juice and those kind of things. Um, Chauncey Billups has basically said he wants more dudes. Like he, he wants okay. a team of like Justice Winslows. He wants dogs. Like because Portland has been to be honest has been bereft of dogs. They just don't like Damon CJ are not dogs. Like as much as the as competitive as they are, that's they aren't going to physically abuse you. Justice Winslow is going to beat you up. all game. He like comes they, to play. Yeah. Like, and, that, and they want more of that, which is again, why you go get a six foot eight wrecking ball, like OG and Anobi. Like, let me go get a few more of these guys so that, you know, when my point guards are getting beat to hell in every pick and roll action, we can kind of reciprocate that with a use of Nurkic or Deandre Aiden and an OG and Anobi. Like that's the kind of world that they want to live in. Yeah. Um, so you not trading him. Yeah. So I, I, it sounds like there's probably not going to be a deal to be had unless there's something involving the draft picks. And again, I just, I'm not sure the other side of this, I'm not is, sure what it would be. I could very much see Portland getting involved in like a third, a three-way deal, like helping facilitate because they have so many trade exceptions and they do have draft capital and they do have some young players. Um, they do have the ability to do some sign and trade type stuff. Like they've got the bird rights for Joe Ingles, which can also work as kind of an, a quasi expiring deal. If they do like a one-in-one -one with a team option, um, because as much as 
when the trade first went down, I was very much like, oh, they're just going to let Joe walk. They tried, to, they tried to bring Joe Ingles into the fold. I very much believe they're going to use his bird rights to try to re-sign him and turn him into a trade chip and basically let him oh, rehab for, for okay. the season uh, and then turn him into a $10, $12 million expiring at the deadline. So like they're they're trying to do some different things. So there's there's a bunch of different, like I said, machinations that they have up and down their, their roster and then the different options. And this is, I hate using this word because it's so cliche, but Joker on the, the now GM for the Blazers who said, we have flexibility. Now that flexibility is true though. They do. They, they have real flexibility for the first time in a very long time, but it means nothing if they don't do anything with it. Like I have, all I've ever wanted from this organization is to step up to the plate and take a real swing. Sometimes you fall short and that, you know, if that happens and if they don't get done what they need to get done, which they don't need to be a a title contender after this summer. They've already said it's going to be more than just this summer. Like it's going to be, we need to do what we can here. And then we need to get to the next off season so that we get all of our exceptions back. We get through the trade deadline. We, we balance our books and things look better so that they can actually have an idea of what they're going to be able to do going forward. But it feels like you, you kind of only get one chance to pour the cement the, in the, the foundation. Yeah, the big summer is right now. And if they yeah. miss here, then I think you're looking more at the nuclear option. Which I, th- I think that's not that it would be eminent. I would say that if they if they swing and they miss hard, I would not be surprised if Dame was out in uh, in probably two years. So we'll we'll end it there. Last question: You think Dame gets his extension that he wants? Oh, hundred percent. He's getting 100%. the money. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Was it uh, two years, hundred and seven million? Yeah. No, he's that's that. sounds sounds right. That's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> but like, listen, like you said, he's the greatest player, arguably the greatest player in a franchise. It's him and Clyde. Whether you you can talk about Bill Walton to your blue in the face. He played here four and a half years. Like Dame's, Dame's at 10 years right now. Any end of his 11th season. He's a six-time All-NBA. Like, how many iconic playoff moments and games has he had? Uh, he's going to shed. He's, he's, I think in the next, I want to say the next year and a half, he's going to break Clyde's scoring record. And that's, that's, I mean, people like you, you bring up Clyde Drexler now. And I think people who are like probably under the most 30, underrated player, maybe of the modern era. Like I, so I'm 39 and you, I, you, I, yeah, I'm 38. Okay. So like, I like in my, like you had your group when you first, when I still first started watching the game in like 92, 93, it's like you had your group of players in mind. It's like, okay. It's like for us, obviously it starts with Ewing, mm-hmm. Dave Robinson, Carmelo and John Stockton, Charles Barkley, you know, Jordan was in his own category. And like Clyde was part of that group, you know, yeah. th- you don't want to throw in Dominique. And it's like, he, I he Clyde was, was a, the second best player in the NBA for probably three years. And nobody talks about it. <laughs> it's you go look it, at his numbers and you're like, they were in the NBA finals every year. And they just, they ran up against dynasties. That, that's, you want to talk about the, the sad Knicks history? Would you rather have sad Knicks history or would you rather be the buzzsaw for dynasties? Because the Blazers have been a buzzsaw for dynasties. Well, I mean, don't forget, we had, we did have the, the 90s in which we were a buzz, we were a buzzsaw for one dynasty, uh, <laughs> it, Chicago a couple of times. And that was unfortunate. But like, you know, I think, let's say this in terms of playoff heartbreaks, um, you guys probably take the cake, but the Knicks, the Knicks are again, it's been a while. So <laughs> every year that, you know, we got, the, you know, uh, Kobe Love and the Shaq replaying or Jordan shrug, which the anniversary of was last week. You know, it's, oh, just, God. it's, it's always something, man. It's just like, I can't we not do this right now. I don't need this. This is, this is all good reason why I understand completely that the sentiment of like, 
just take a swing, take a real swing at it. Let's see what we could do. And I, you know, I get it. And like, look, if you just, Again, talking about the West, it's kind of open at the moment, at least. You never know what's going to happen a year or two. Somebody could now. get moved and completely yeah. destabilize things, you know. And, yeah, you know. everything everything's fluid. But like, you know, imagine if the Blazers got to a finals. Like that would be. I mean, let's let's put this out on paper. Let's let's say the Portland Trail Blazers sign or trade for OG and Anobi and do a sign and trade with DeAndre Ayton. And your lineup next year is Dame Ant. Use you know whether it's a TPMLE and they get like a Jalen Smith and you've got OG and Anobi, Jalen Smith, and DeAndre Ayton. Is that a title winning team? No. Is that a probably a top five team in the West? Yeah. And you've got some like, and everybody keeps haggling over like, I don't want to pay DeAndre Ayton. I don't want to pay DeAndre Ayton. You're going to pay Anthony Simons $20 million. You're going to pay DeAndre Ayton $30 million. If I told you that you could have the core of your next team of Anthony Simons and DeAndre Ayton for the next four years at a total of $50 million, are you really haggling over that? It's it's not about what you pay. It's about when you pay them and what it restricts you from doing, if anything. And you've got a new TV deal coming in. They're probably both those guys are probably going to outperform their contracts when that deal kicks in or even earlier. Like I just, it's hard for me to see the Blazers really screwing this up. If they, if they air towards a slightly younger group, which is kind of why I want them to stay away from Jeremy Grant, unless they absolutely have to, if, if it comes down to grant or nothing at the back end, I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards grant just because it's a viable asset. And you have arrived. You have arrived at my like last bastion of like the ounce of hope. It is is if it because to me, if you're the Blazers and you're like, all right, we have to give up a real thing, a real something for Jeremy Grant. I don't think it'll be number seven though. I I, I don't. I, I think if, it'll be. Listen, I think it'll man, be if, the twenty twenty five first. If Jeremy Grant nets the seventh pick in the draft, and I don't fucking know anything about basketball. No, I listen. I, I, I probably be, don't anyway. I, just I would be there. absolutely but, floored if number seven because there's been a bunch of people here locally like I can't do that. And, for the folks that I've talked to, that's never, ever, ever been on the table. So that would OG is, I think uh, OG, I think it's kind of like the dividing line for what he's said. I was is. looking at some film on him today. He's like, he's, I think I like to fit with Dame. I do. Mm-hmm. He's like the perfect garbage man, like number three, like the two, two B type of player yep. on like a good team. Like I like him in that role. If he's willing to accept that role, he'll get his on ball reps. You know, I'm sure Dame is an equal opportunity guy. If you show that you're capable, that's the problem is that like their forward pairings have been like, you know, Anthony Tolliver and Alfred Camino and Mo Harkless. And you're just like, we had, we, we did the, the, Mo Harkless, <sighs> the brief Mo Harkless uh, dance here in New York. That was fun. Listen, man, Mo loves, Mo loves getting checks. <laughs> <laughs> He's still getting a check next year. For, yeah, that's, what I'm saying. Sacramento. that's what I'm saying. Like Mo, Mo is just bag king. <laughs> yeah. Bag King, love him, love him for that. But yeah, I'll say that, listen, he came here in the it was the uh Marcus Morris deal, he was the returning salary. Listen, he was solid, I will say that he was very solid. Like, you want to talk about somebody who, who like, when he actually cares, is a good player? That, that's like a perfect example. Like, it's just if he cares, he's good, if not, he's gonna go run on a treadmill. And it's just, but yeah, no, it was him and uh Aminu for like what was it, two, three years there as your three, yeah. and it was just like. Can you get something, anything else, please? Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, well, listen, uh, I have no reason to dislike the Blazers. I've never disliked the Blazers. I will root uh, for you. We're about as geographically far. as far away as humanly possible. So, I mean, it's it's just, it's hard to dislike Dean. They're a likable team. They, they, they always have been. Yeah. 
Um, I like Simons and uh, I, I I think he's going to be good. But yeah, no, it'd be cool. It'd be cool to see Dame get kind of have one more. One more I want to see him just, my big thing is like, if he doesn't want to ring, he doesn't want to ring. I'm not like, I am a person who very much believes that if you're not building towards a title, you should be tearing down from one. Like okay. there's that, that, that middling area that Neil O'Shea kept the franchise in was enough to make me want to kill somebody. I it was just miserable for me. I hate that kind of basketball. I just want to see Damian Lord get a real opportunity. That's fair. And if he doesn't win, he doesn't win, but put guys around him and allow him to actually highlight his strengths and protect his weaknesses because they have failed to do that for most of his career. I was about to say CJ McCollum as your backcourt mate is probably not the best way to, to, to do that. You, you put him next to Wes Matthews, Nick Batum, LaMarcus Aldridge. It's like, Oh, weird. They look really good. And then, yeah. you know, they don't protect those weaknesses and doesn't. So it's not hard. Well, um, like I said, you guys are as fascinating a team as there is in the offseason. Uh, before I let you go, can you, because this, this has been awesome, and I guarantee you a lot of people are going to want to track you through the offseason because uh, it sounds like you're hearing a lot of stuff. And uh, people yeah. might want to. Portland's busy, and- man. I, like, this is the other thing. Neil Olshea ran the Iron Curtain. Like they, he, he communicated to one person locally and that was it. Otherwise it was all to Adrian Wojnarowski uh, with the new group. It's not like I have, like I'm, I'm talking to Joe Cronin, you know, regularly, but I am getting significantly more Intel and it's, it's not like it's the, uh, the bazaar out there, but yeah, there's, there's, there's things because there's so much going on and that the Blazers, I think are openly tracking and tracing They're they're just going to be tagged in everything. Like you could argue that, I'm trying to think of a, a team that is at, I mean, I guess Sacramento because they have the fourth pick and they want to move it. there up there yep. too. I don't know of another team where it's like the off season kind of not. It kind of routes. Them. It, it, no, it does. It routes through them. It like, routes. It, do, that's the way to say it routes through Portland. Yeah. What they do will shift. Like if, if, if Aiden gets worked in a sign and trader, if Ananobi goes like this, I think the biggest blocks that will be moved are if, if they happen are Deandre Aiden, Rudy Gobert, John Collins, and OG and Adobe and yeah. the Blazers are tagged to all of them, but one. So like, I think that that's why it looks so crazy for them right now. And the Aiden thing, you may Aiden and go, it's interesting. The two of the, two of the three or two of the four names you just mentioned are centers in a league mm-hmm. where centers are just becoming just very less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the Mitchell Robinson, uh, I'm not going to call it the Mitch Robinson sweepstakes. Cause that is not a thing. Uh, but the, what the, happened- Mitch Rob, the Mitch Rob, the Mitch Rob what ha- let's say let's say what happens with Mitchell. Where, where Mitchell Robinson decides to play basketball next year will be a, a later domino that is not going to fall. Probably, but you never know. But probably, I would not imagine until- that's like day three, day four of free agency. Yeah, and um, I don't think the Knicks are sweating it either. But that's again neither here nor there. Tell the folks at home where they can find you and your stuff, please. Yeah, no, you can find me on social media at Danny Marang, D A N M Y M A R A N G, and it's the same for uh, on YouTube where we do the live show. My my co-host Brandon Sprague. Uh, we typically do them Sundays and Thursdays, but obviously I'm here for this Thursday, and I wanted to take a little break because I've done like five shows already this week, and I was like, you know what? We have no breaking news today. The only thing the Blazers did was they had AJ Griffin work out. So, um, yeah, you can find me pretty much everywhere, just uh, at Danny Marang. Awesome stuff. Uh, I will certainly be uh, following and, and keeping an ear to the ground. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll stay in touch. And uh, thanks again so much for coming on. My man. Hey, anytime, man. Hit me up anytime. All right. See? I told you that would be fun. Uh, Danny's, Danny's got some good intel. And uh, I will uh, certainly be paying close attention to him and uh, uh, his tweets and things that he is is uh putting out there into the universe 
over the next couple of weeks because uh, he seems like he knows what he's talking about. So I would advise you to do the same and obviously check out Blazer's Edge and uh, maybe even tune into uh, their podcast. Again, Jack Ramsey's on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, of course, if you dig this podcast and you like what we do here, feel free to drop a uh, generous five-star rating. They really do help us out. I know I've been saying it a lot. It's because it's true. They help us out. Uh, leave the rating. Leave a nice little review. Uh, let people know that you dig the show. And uh, hopefully, um, more people will hear about it. And then we could do even bigger and better things. Uh, that's it. Uh, no more for me today. Tune in uh, for our next usual show, which will be barring any breaking news, because now we're officially in breaking news season. Um, barring any breaking news, we'll have our usual show dropping at midnight uh, Sunday going into Monday. A couple of episodes next week. Uh, we'll, I think we got a mailbag coming up. So like I said, lots of fun stuff. Check out all that. And as always, thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. Peace out. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.